Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the I, it's my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Ray Cotto and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and we are the two of the co-founders of All 22. Our esteemed partner and show host Chris Lombardi is out traveling the world while we're bogged down here in the wintry Northeast. So Bobby, what's going on? Wintry, relax. It's like 40 degrees, dude. And for what it's worth, I thought we should have started this podcast without an intro. There's no replacing Chris, so why even do it? You know what I mean? I figure we just jump right in. But Ray, I think you did a good job. I think you did a good job. But yeah, yeah, five point five out of ten. Yeah, that's yeah. generous. But dude, it's I, Thanksgiving. I, I man. It's Thanksgiving, man. We got playoff push here. Um, three weeks left in the regular season for all twenty-two. Can you believe that? It is crazy how time flies when you're having fun. The season is. Just it's whizzing by, and I feel like this happens every year. You look forward so much to football, and then it's like before you know it, it's almost done, and you're just like grasping on to every moment you possibly can before it's gone. So, yeah, it's it's crunch time. It's kind of sad, man. Like you only get one inaugural season of all twenty-two. You know what I mean? That's why I'm wearing the shirt today. Like I feel like we got to celebrate it while it's still here. We only got three weeks left, dude. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to make me cry. So I'm being a little more selfish with my uh, Scott Fishbowl shirt. I didn't make the playoffs in Scott Fishbowl, so probably jinx yeah. myself, and I'm going to get rocked this weekend in the first round. But, uh, yeah, shout Nobody out cares. to friend Scott Fish. Nobody cares about your fantasy team, right? We just said it in the <laughs> intro. Nobody cares. True. Yeah, it's one of the rules. No matter <laughs> the medium. <laughs> <laughs> but let's help some people with their uh, with their all 22 teams, though. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, I think uh, for, for this episode today, we're going to look at some players who could be key difference makers down the stretch here to get you over the hump and into the playoffs in your leagues. You know, like Bobby said, there's, you know, there's three weeks left. Uh, so really the playoff races are really tightening up. This is really the home stretch here. Every game matters. And uh, of course, like usual, when we go through uh, exercises like this, we're not just going to look at the top, you know, three to five guys at every position, like, oh, yeah, start, uh, you know, start Mahomes, start Travis Kelsey. Like, yeah, obviously, right? We're going to uh, look at some guys who are, are likely on on most rosters, but, uh, you know, may not be the most herald, heralded guys, but can make a difference. So uh, we're going to go through, I guess, position by position here, see who we believe can make a difference down the stretch. And uh, if you want to kick it off, Bobby, with quarterbacks? Yeah, so quarterback was actually kind of like a toss-up here for me between – uh, Tom Brady and, and Dak Prescott. But honestly, I think I was more picking Tom Brady just because I'm a Giants fan. I don't want to pick Dak Prescott, right? Um, I think what's going to happen is I think Dak's going to be the type of player that could get this late-season surge that's going to help you get into the playoffs. Um, I think Tom Brady's going to be the guy that's going to take you home, God's going to perform while you're in the playoffs. Um, but that's not really the question we're answering here. It's like, who do you need to heat up for you to help you kind of get over the hump and get into like maybe that clean that last spot for the for the playoffs for the divisional round, um, but Dak's been heating up the last few weeks. 
um, grading a 91.7, a 72.1, and an 80.4 over the last three weeks. Um, I think Dak and the Cowboys have some matchups with some struggling defenses for the the next three of uh, for the next three out of four weeks. Um, if you look at the Giants, they play this Thursday. Depleted secondary, just lost to Dory Jackson because you know they're idiots and they had him returning punts. Fabian Moreau, who surprisingly was pretty good for the Giants, um, he's hurt. So really, nobody back there. Really, no pass rush to speak of. Although they do try to manufacture it. So I think this Thursday is going to be a game where, you know, he might have a performance like he did against Minnesota, unfortunately. Um, he gets the Texans in week 14, but really don't do anything well on defense. I mean, if you look at their their season, their team-wide grades, it's a 48.9 team defense grade, a 38.3 run defense grade, and a 49.5 coverage grade. So I think really think the Cowboys are going to have their way with the Texans in week 14, like everybody else has, honestly. Um, and I think Dak's grade is really going to show that. So also look at the Jaguars in week 15. I know that's week one of playoffs, but I think that's a bonus if you have him. Um, Jaguars, week 15, 53.5 coverage grade should set you up nicely in the division round. So I think it's somebody who can help, can help you. I think Dak is someone who can help get you to the playoffs. I think he can get you past that first round too. Um, and beyond that, who knows? I like it. I like it. I like everything about it, as you might imagine. Uh, and so for me, it, it, it's funny. I, you know, we don't, we don't sit here and like exchange beforehand and know exactly who's going to talk about who. So we're actually going to keep it right here in Dallas, uh, looking at running backs. And I'm going to go with Tony Pollard. Um, so to date this season, he actually has the fifth highest season grade of any running back. But in all 22 scoring, he's just inside the top 20 of all scorers at the position, uh, mostly just due to his limited usage early on. But as we've seen the last few weeks, he's just been on a complete tear. Once Zeke got nicked up and he you know, took on a bigger role in the offense, he just, he just really just took the ball and ran with it, no pun, and forced his way into the game plan. Uh, and he's now seeing his snap shares increase even with Zeke back and healthy. And you already kind of went through the schedule there with the next four games against some struggling defenses there uh, in, in the Giants. Uh, they got uh, the Colts, the Texans, and the Jags. And uh, so, you know, it's, it, it's a pretty juicy slate there over the next month or so uh, to get you into and maybe through that first round of the playoffs. And a lot of this also, quite honestly, can apply to Ezekiel Elliott if you also have him rostered as well. I think that one-two punch is really starting to hit their stride. Uh, just overall, and um, you know that schedule is is pretty favorable over the next few weeks. So uh, if you have playmakers like that, and, and especially Tony Pollard in particular, I think that's something you can definitely take advantage of here moving forward. And uh, you know he's a running back, but he can make the difference and end up mattering in the end. Yeah, I think I think all those matchups are pretty juicy, with with the exception of Indianapolis. That's why mm -hmm. for Dak, I said three out of four matchups are pretty good. I think. Indy's one of those defenses. I think somebody said it, said it well. Like, Indy's got a defense that could win you a Super Bowl, but they have an offense that could get you a, the number one overall pick. So, yep. it's kind of, kind, of, kind of a weird situation there. But I, I like Tony Pollock because I like that he can be effective in the pass game too. Always in all 22, I try to target running backs who can be effective as a, as a receiver as well. I think that really helps, helps their grades. Um, but speaking of receivers, next we'll go into Tyler Lockett. Um, another player who's coming off of his bye, 
Um, last His last grade, he put up a 75.8. Along with Geno Smith, Lockett's graded consistently well all season. Um, but that's, you know, that's not, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett's not a stranger to that. He's he's always graded well. Um, and I think over the next three weeks, he's got two pretty juicy matchups for him. Um, right, he's got the Raiders, a struggling defensive unit. I mean, we just saw Deron Harmon go down, which is a huge loss for their secondary. Um, without Harmon, Max Crosby and Denzel Perryman are the only defensive players with a grade above a 70. That's a pretty bad unit. Um, Seahawks also have the Panthers in these next three weeks. Um, the only member of the Panthers secondary to grade over, over a 70, can you guess? Most people would say it's probably J.C. Horn. It's not. Uh, Derek Brown? <laughs> No, secondary, <laughs> secondary, secondary. I mean, just with the rest of this, I mean, yeah, it was almost like a trick question. Like, I don't know, maybe he's dropped into coverage a little bit. His coverage grade is like, you know, really high on a couple zone drops. I don't know. <laughs> it's actually, so it's actually safety Sam Franklin. Um, and he's only played one week. And he's the only player in that secondary to grade over a 70. Um, J.C. Horn hasn't been bad. I think he's got like a 68 grade. But I expect him, when they play the Seahawks, to mainly shadow D.K. Metcalf. So I think Tyler Lockett could have a field day in two of these next three weeks here. Um, so, yeah, I think he's really going to help any team that's looking to get into the playoffs um, at the receiver position. It's interesting. He's always so underappreciated. It's like it's like him and Brandon Cook. So, like, guys who just produce, don't really yeah. get a ton of credit, stay out of the limelight, but they they produce and, and they matter. So um, it's, it's funny you say that. I agree with a lot of what you say. And for the second time in a row here, we're going to stick with the same team. Uh, if I'm looking at a tight end that I think can make a difference here, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb because tight end's a little iffy as a whole in the league. I think we've discussed that uh, you know, quite a bit here. We've also discussed uh, Will Disley and how he's a balanced tight end and he's been reliable and in both the run and the pass game. Uh, but I'm going to go with Noah Fant here. I think he's starting to gain his footing in that offense. And uh, obviously, he's a receiving threat with with great athletic testing numbers and such. And uh, just recently, even like just looking at last week, uh, over 75% of his snaps were on passing downs. Uh, so they're using him to his strengths there. They're not putting him there on the edge and asking him to, to set the edge on run plays or anything like that. They're using him to his strength. And like you mentioned, again, going through that schedule, uh, you got the you got Vegas, you got the struggling Rams and, and Carolina. Uh, so that could be a good three-game stretch there. Yes, I know the Rams are pretty uh, strong personnel-wise on defense you know, as a whole, but that whole just situation, that, that team, the injuries they're suffered there, it's, it's just a mess. And if you can't get anything going on offense consistently there, and uh, they just waved like Daryl Henderson earlier today. I, yeah, I don't really know what's that. going on there. And I know he's a running back, and we're talking about you know the matchup for a tight end, but things are just a mess there. I could see things kind of falling apart despite them looking stronger on paper than you would think when you're looking at ahead at that schedule and you know trying to find like the you know the the really big mismatches there when you're looking at a position like tight end with very few you know automatic starters week to week. I'm going to take a shot there at, uh, you know, with Noah Fant. He might be available, um, you know, in free agency in some leagues, uh, might be rostered in a good amount of, of leagues too. But if you have him, I'd look, you know, long and hard about starting him or, um, you know, if, if you're kind of iffy about what formation you're looking to for, for a given week, he might be a good, you know, second tight end option if you have one of those bona fide guys there as well. Um, 
you know, I, I think the arrow is pointing up there. They're using him uh, in the receiving game, and that's that's what he does best. So down the stretch, it's all about you know making sure you can take advantage of matchups if the guys on Sunday and the teams on Sunday are also trying to take advantage of those matchups with a given player. It's funny the, the Seahawks and their receivers are guys that like I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole coming into the season. You know, I think pretty much all off season I'm telling people stay away, wait on those guys, wait on those guys, all because you believe in Geno Smith. <laughs> <laughs> thought he was a liability. I mean, everybody did. Everybody did. But it's really cool to see that, you know, we like like we said before, I don't know who you're picking for your, your positions when we go through these exercises. So it's really cool to see that we have back-to-back Seahawks players because of Geno Smith mainly. So awesome. Um, all right. That leads us into tackle. So tackle, I went with Charles Leno Jr. on the Commanders. Charles Leno's having another really nice season. I mean, the last three weeks, been limited a little bit from his shoulder injury, grading in like the mid-60s, which is still like not bad compared to other guys that are playing that might play their injury. Um, but this next three-game stretch, he's got a buy in between, but they're pretty favorable games. Um, so the buy is going to probably push you into that divisional round week 15, um, but this is somebody to keep an eye on. Probably available in a bunch of leagues if you want to see if you can scoop him up. But he's got the Falcons, the second worst team, the second worst team in the league in, in pass rush grade, in PFF team pass rush grade with 57.2. And I kind of wanted to see why, right? So, like, I dug into, like, the team roster to see, you know, what's who's adding to this, right? And it's ugly, man, ugly. Outside of Grady Jarrett, Atlanta's defensive front poses absolutely zero pass rush threat. Just about every player on that front has a pass rush grade in the 50s. That's insane. That's insane. I think I saw one guy who had like a 70 pass rush grade. And it's just, it's, it's just absolutely zero threat, like I said. So I think that's really going to help Charles Leno. Um, and then he gets the Giants twice. Giants bring a lot of heat. But it's rarely effective, I've noticed, against tackles, against competent tackles like Charles Leno. Um, just last week, Penai Sewell, Taylor Decker, both those guys earned grades of 73.8 and 86.3 against the Giants. Um, like I said, this is a depleted defense, and I think it's going to hurt them all over the place. Um, even with Aziz Ojolari coming back, I really still think it's a favorable matchup for Charles Leno. So I think. Like I said, three of the next four weeks, um, I think this is a, a tackle that you could easily, you know, plug and play and uh, and expect some pretty good grades from him. Yeah, I think the interesting there, too, is when you talk about those two matchups against the Giants, I mean, we're talking about a veteran player and, you know, the Giants have young pieces with upside there on, you know, on the edge there on defense, but they're young players. And, and so when you have a veteran like this, late in the year, I think that's something too, where those young guys are still kind of on their learning curve and, and, you know, Leno's been there, done that. And so I think you'll see that dependability show. So uh, just another sort of interesting dynamic there, given the, you know, the two games against New York there in the coming weeks. It's a huge so, difference when your defense is bringing manufactured pressure. I've noticed. So that's something that I expect to really help out Charles Leno. Um, like I said, in these next, next few weeks. But yeah, with that, let's uh, let's dive into guard. Who you got? Yeah, so this was this was another tough one. And kind of looking through the guards, I think the the main rule um, in kind of going through this that I just really became convinced on is, hey, 
if you have your guards and your depth chart, right, play the good ones, the ones that you believe in. But if you're really unsure and you're really kind of struggling with, with maybe a second guard in there, um, I like Kevin Dotson in Pittsburgh. He started off really slow this season, um, but he's averaged like a 72.3 grade over the last four games, uh, which is on a top 20 pace for all guards in the league if you extrapolate that season grade over the course of the season. So um, he's really started to kind of come on late. Uh, for Pittsburgh, I know a lot of people look at that and, and oh, the line of the, as a whole isn't that great. You know, it's hard to open up holes for the run game and things like that. Um, but Dotson himself in particular has been playing pretty well lately. And, you know, again, guard is one of those positions. And we kind of talked about it in previous episodes when talking about offensive line as a whole. There's not enough good ones out there. Um, but if you do need someone to step in here over the next few weeks, Dotson might be your guy because he is, you know, he has been heating up of late. Uh, his upcoming schedule is not the easiest, right? But there's no clear juggernauts either, right? We talked about Indy, and that's a pretty quality defense there. Uh, they've got the Falcons as well uh, before going to, uh, I'm actually not sure if they're home or away, against Baltimore there. So it's not like a, like an easy schedule where you just look at that and say, oh, yeah, there's favorable matchups across the board there, uh, maybe outside of Atlanta like like you touched on uh, before. Uh, but this is just a, I guess I'm just betting on the player here more so than his opponent in seeing dots and heat up there a bit in, in Pittsburgh. And there's just like that kind of, I don't know, that vibe in Pittsburgh, right? It's like, they're just never going to finish below 500. It feels like, like they, <laughs> they're going to perform well enough to win enough games to just to, you know, keep the job there and, you know, for, for Tomlin and just stay steady. And I don't know, they're just always there at the end of the year. So um, I'm just going to go with thoughts in there. It's a bit of a vibe pick, right? Just looking at someone who's heating up a little bit and, and uh, not too much into the particulars about given matchups and grades because, you know, guard is pretty scarce. Uh, yep. So, yeah, if you, if you got them and you need to roll with them, have a little faith. Yeah, but I think there's like three ways of playing this game, right, as far as like picking up guys off, off waiver wires, free agents, right? It's either you're playing the hot hand, you're playing the upcoming matchups, or you get lucky and you find a guy that has both going for him. You know what I mean? So I think just mm-hmm. picking a guy with a hot hand, I don't think is a bad strategy, even against a good matchup. Just because he has a good matchup doesn't mean he's not going to grade well. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's a really good pick. Um, this next guy I have for center is the Jets, Connor McGovern. And this is very much a, a matchup pick. Although he, he grades well, I think he's like a low 70 for the season. Um, this is, like I said, much more of a matchup pick. So he's got the Bears um, with a really soft defensive line. Like, it's it's bad. Um, their highest-graded defensive lineman is Armand Watts. You know what his grade is? It's a pretty cool 51.7. <laughs> the entire defensive well, I think it was unit. Like chemistry final. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the entire defensive unit has a lousy, lousy 32.8 team run defense grade. And you know what? The Jets certainly can't pass, so that's pretty good to see. Um, and believe it or not, they've also got the Bills in these next three weeks. And I know that's not – obviously not that's not a cake matchup, but they do have a 48.3 team defense grade. And like I said, the Jets can't pass, so if they can establish the run, I think Connor McGovern could be a good play. And kind of like what you said about guard, like center's a really tough position. It's not very deep. If you find one that can grade even average – I mean, that's a, that's a win for you. So I think Connor McGovern could be one of those guys coming down the stretch here. I love it. And to confirm that is the Connor McGovern on the Jets, not the one over yeah. the Jets. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I said that a few times. <laughs> yep. 
Um, I, 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 I agree. And, and center is so tough that, uh, you know, if, if you can, if you can make that work and you got a difference maker there, that can sway a matchup in your favor when it comes down to those final three tenths of a point, um, you know, week to week. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. And uh, I'll flip over to the other side of the ball here now going to defensive interior. And, um, it, this is almost like a, like a self punishment pick because, I was super high on him. I've been super high on him since he was, you know, entering the draft over a year ago uh, and was drafted by Detroit. And that's Aleem McNeil. And I have him, I think, in like 15 of my 16 leagues on this platform. And, you know, here and there, I've, I've, I've actually started him in, in some, you know, three down lineups if I needed. And he hasn't been playing well. He's been playing poorly, quite frankly. And then he just went on a tear this past week. And, you know, just as a whole, he's young, he's talented, he's athletic, he's super strong, and he's performed better as a pass rusher of late, which a lot of people thought of him and, and still do as sort of just a stout run stuffer with a little bit of athleticism, but not necessarily a pass rushing type of player. Um, and so the three opponents that uh, they have coming up there in Detroit, uh, we touched on Buffalo, uh, Jacksonville, and, and Minnesota. And so in looking at those teams uh, and their sort of pass block grades there. Uh, you look at Jacksonville, they actually have a top five pass blocking grade as a team unit um, in the NFL. But if you dig a bit further, uh, that's actually buoyed by um, like their, their, their running backs and tight ends and, and their offensive tackles before you get to guards, right? Um, you know, Ben Barge, Brandon Scherf uh, on the interior there. You have Luke Fortner at center. That has not been a strong pass blocking unit as a whole. So you, you look at that and say, oh, there's a top five matchup, you know, a top five opponent there in terms of pass blocking. But uh, digging a bit further, that's really more so on the on the exterior and the edge of their offensive line than how stout they are in the middle. Um, and Buffalo, for as, as great as, as they've been as, as a team, as a whole on offense and defense, um, you know, their pass blocking grade, they're, they're like 19th in the league. So, again, nothing really, really scary there. So um, I think Dan Campbell always has his guy, guys playing tough and, um, and, you know, with high effort, high motor, whatever cliche you want to use there. Um, and so I could see a young player like that kind of closing the season strong against a schedule that's a little more favorable than you might think at first blush. So he wrote me right back in and I'm back on the Ali McNeil bandwagon and I hope he doesn't, uh, you know, disappoint me yet again. I think, I think he's going to, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> he might, he might, I think, you know, young I, think player, to, but... I think we have to add some context to what happened last week. Okay. I know you said you went on a tear. <laughs> All right, and he, and, he, and he might keep playing away. Might, that might have been like his tune-up game, and now he just goes on this like tear for the next few weeks, right? But he went up against Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux's pass blocking grid was literally a zero, literally a zero. You could put a child there, and he would probably grade higher than a zero. Don't ruin it, Bob. Don't ruin it. I'm, I'm, I think our listeners need to know. They need to know. So I don't know. I don't know. I get it. That's that's my that's my boomer bust pick right there. I'm just uh, you know that's that's the heat check. That's the heat check. We'll see how it goes. We'll, Dude, we'll we'll come back next episode and see how I did. Totally fine. I think everybody just needs to know. Like, hey, Ray's rolling the dice. That's all. <laughs> that's all. Look, I'm gonna roll the dice on my next one. This could be a complete flop because um, this guy's been extremely volatile all season. <laughs> but I'm going with Frank Clark on the Kansas City Chiefs as my edge rusher for the next three weeks. Um, like I said. Super volatile season um, at 
like up to this point. But he did put up a respectable 71.5 PFF grade in week 11 against the Chargers. Um, Clark gets the Rams' terrible, terrible offensive line, a mediocre Bengals offensive line, and a mediocre Broncos offensive line for the next three weeks. He's available in a lot of leagues, which is another reason why I, why I put him here. If you're looking for a push at edge rusher, you might want to take a look at Frank Clark because I think he's going to be teeing off on quarterbacks for the next three weeks. Yeah, I know you said he might flop, but it, it's kind of hard to see anyone flopping against that that schedule coming up here. It's, right? it's tough. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that tough. schedule's very weak. So um, I like it. You know, Frank Clark, yeah, he, he has been volatile on the field. In the past, he's been volatile off the field. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I think if you can if you can find a window there, I think this next three weeks uh, is that window where you can maybe take advantage of that if you do have a needed edge. That might be the guy to fill in. And like, yeah. like you said, I, I get the volatility, but really the the Rams and the, and the Broncos are going to be the ones that that uh, bring him back down to earth. I don't, I don't think so. Even, even like George Karlaftis, if he's available, I think he's going to have a much lower ceiling, but maybe a higher floor. But like I said, Ray, we're rolling the dice here, buddy. I want Frank Clark. I want, I want ninety grades. Yeah, speaking of dice rolls and coin flips, <laughs> I have linebacker, which, as as you point out, pretty much every episode is like a giant just, you know, roll of the dice. Always. Uh, no matter who you have. So, um, I and, and you know, I, I agree more with that take than I think, you know, I might let on usually and, and what people may glean from just listening to our episodes here. Um, so, yeah, freaking crapshoot, but I'm going to go with someone who's just going to play against some scrubs. And hope it works out because at the very least their opponents are a bunch of scrubs. And so I'm going uh, with Patrick Patrick Queen uh, going up against uh, Jacksonville, Denver, and Pittsburgh next. Three offenses where at, at a, as a whole they're just struggling for the most part. Um, Queen also gets a bad rap for being a bit erratic, but if you take a closer look, four of his last six games have earned an 80 plus grade. And he's also had a 76 game grade overall against Cleveland, which is a pretty, I know, you know, it's not operating at full strength here without uh, Deshaun, but that offense can be pretty tough against opposing linebackers with what they do in the run game and especially how strong they are in the interior and such. And so he's been performing pretty well. His run defense is improving. He's always been a good, you know, blitzer, rusher, that type of thing. He needed to work on his coverage a bit. But all things considered, that run defense is improving. Um, you know, I know they got Rokon Smith over there now, too. And as that, you know, kind of continues to assimilate there in the defense, maybe there's some more uh, improvement there to, you know, to glean from that. Um, so, yeah, this is a player who's ascending, has been playing well of late. The schedule's pretty weak. And outside of that, that's that's about all I can try to rely on when it comes to linebackers, unless you have a freak like Micah Parsons, because there's not there's not much else to go on given how offenses attack that position, you know, week to week. Yeah, you know what? I've actually been trying to like like for every position, I think it's pretty obvious which opponent grade you should be looking at to really try and predict, you know, their their performance for the next week. Linebacker, it's like, oh, do I go with their you know, the run offense, the run blocking, the, you know, the pass offense, whatever. I think when I take into account just the general overall team offense grade, if I look for like low offense grades for my linebackers. Um, I think that's kind of been working a little bit better, but there's really no perfect system. It, it really is a crapshoot. Oh, there you go. Rolling the dice yet again. We'll see how it goes. So 
Yeah, all in on Patrick Queen. All right, moving on. To Tell us about the secondary, which is also yeah, which is also a bit versatile, right? Yeah, this one's tough. Um, but I'm going with uh, Washington's cornerback uh, Kendall Fuller. Um, Kendall Fuller's season grade is actually dragged down by a couple a couple weeks in the beginning of the season where he graded in the 30s. But other than that, he's been pretty damn good. I think he gets overlooked. Actually, right in our league, he's available. I'm probably going to add him by the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at his more contention than I am, so. Um, but if you look at his last three grades, eighty-two point eight, seventy-three point seven, sixty-eight point seven, like he's been getting increasingly better the last like like three to five weeks. Um, so again, he's hot. If you look at, and this is one of those things, right, where like we look at like the hot hand, and you look at the matchups. This is this is a player who meets who checks both boxes, right. The next, his next matchups are the Atlanta Falcons and Marcus Mariota. That does not scare me at all. It shouldn't scare anybody at all. And the receiverless Giants, he gets twice. So I really like Kendall Fuller for the next few weeks. Um, if he's available, certainly go and add him. Like I said, people are overlooking him because of his season grade. Don't do that. I like it. I like that a lot. It's you're kind of beating up on your on your G-men this episode here with the look. I'm a, two out of three here. So I'm a pretty realistic fan, right? I know that we're on the downswing. I know the Cowboys are on the upswing. I know the Commanders are on the upswing. Well, I can see it. Um, so yeah, I, I want to give I want to give the listeners the best advice I possibly can. All ten of those listeners. <laughs> Stop. Um, <laughs> those are just the ones that yell at us. Yeah, Plenty yeah. more. Um. So yeah, it's I take my Giants fandom out of this. Got it. I like it. So all right, I'll I'll wrap up here the you know with the the last line of defense and go at uh, Demar Hamlin at safety. Uh, a lot of people talk about the Bills and the focus is on yes Josh Allen's health and then outside of that how well the roster is constructed. But when people talk about how well that roster is constructed, they don't really bring up a name like Demar Hamlin at safety, but he's, you know, pretty solid all around balanced. Um, but, uh, I think his most impressive trait thus far that he's shown this season is solid run defense. And the next three opponents are Detroit, new England, and the jets. You already mentioned earlier on how the jets just can't throw the ball at all. Um, I, you know, Darnold saw ghosts. I don't even think Zach Wilson is seeing ghosts at this point. I, I don't know what he's seeing. I don't think he's seeing anything at all to be quite frank, but, um, all three of those offenses, when you look at them, if they have success and they're going to generate offense, it's going to be uh, reliant on the ground game by and large. And that plays into DeMar Hamlin's hands, right? So um, I'm just looking at the schedule here and seeing what plays into his strengths, which at safety, again, that's another position that's pretty scarce, can be a bit volatile. Um, if you have the bona fides there, that's great. If you don't, you're looking for something like this where the matchup um, is conducive to their strengths. And I think DeMar Hamlin here is going to go up against three offenses that are going to have to lean on the run, and that plays right into his hands there. So um, I'm going to wrap it up. If you have DeMar Hamlin, maybe available uh, on the waiver wire in, in several leagues. So go ahead and, and add him there, and um, we'll see how that ends up too. But I think, it's, I think it sets up well for him um, on the ground here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I I, I, like, I always like getting guys that are on good rosters surrounded by good players. So I think it's a really good pick. I like that. Good way to good way to wrap it up. Awesome. So 
Uh, all right. Hopefully, uh, again, that uh, that little exercise there helped you out for some of those uh, roster decisions you have to make here. As again, it's it's crunch time here. Just three weeks left before the playoffs begin. So every game counts. Every decision you make uh, could be the difference. So best of luck to our listeners. Uh, yeah. Another thing, you know, it's Thanksgiving. And at least, you know, something near and dear to, to the two of us here uh, with the Giants and Cowboys facing off. Speaking of Twitter, a lot of people like to get angry. There's, you know, quick Twitter fingers over there online. But let's take a moment, like, on the field at the same time are going to be, like, two pretty transcendent talents going up against one another, especially if Dallas, like, I think they will, uh, deploys Micah Moore as a linebacker this week, given some of the option stuff that the Giants do with Daniel Jones and using him as a runner. Um, you know, they may want... Micah Moore in, in the box as a linebacker to kind of chase plays down as opposed to just lining him on one side of the field at edge. Um, so you're going to see a, a great matchup there between, again, two transcendent talents there. It's just, just enjoy it. You're going to have Turkey. You're going to be really tired with, uh, uh, you know, whatever that thing is in Turkey that makes everybody really sleepy. So tryptophan. Um, who's, the, who's the other, yeah. who's the other transcendent talent you're talking about? Uh, Saquon Barkley and and Micah Parsons, two transcendent talents. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were talking about Daniel Jones. I'm like, wow, I never expected to hear that from you ever. I, I don't think he – no, no, I don't think he tra- – he might be transcendent at like chess or something. I don't know. But, wow. um, yeah. Yeah, it's just look, – anyway, look, don't take the focus off. That's a pretty fun matchup that, that we get to witness here with – what is it, tryptophan in our yeah, system? Tryptophan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So relax – Enjoy some turkey. Enjoy enjoy some great matchups this weekend. Hope everyone, if you are traveling to see, uh, you know, family um, during the holiday weekend, that uh, you know you all travel safely. Uh, appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure that you are checking on your team each week, setting that depth chart, picking formation, and uh, again, you can give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all twenty two underscore pff. Leave a five star review for our podcast on YouTube, Apple, or whichever platform you use. And uh, yeah, enjoy Thanksgiving and we'll see you all next time. Best holiday ever. I'm a ghost.